Alright, hello and welcome to the Bean Talking Podcast. I'm Tim Beanland and on this podcast we talk to people that have done things that is undeniably the best. And on this one I am so excited because we've got our first female, Lucy Bloomfield, on the show. She's a girl that has taken the world by storm in terms of e-commerce, a business from zero to 10,000 customers in 12 months, which is insane, but also the retention rate on that was 40%. The stuff this girl knows is just amazing and I'm constantly in awe with her, so it's awesome having her on. You're going to learn lots, so let's go. Lucy. Hey. Thank you so much for being on. I am so excited about this. You are the first female to be on the show, so congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Um, (laughs) And it's definitely for a good reason. you're an e-commerce expert, um, somebody that started building websites when you were 10, mm. um, and, and just an all-around great person. But that's my summary of yourself. What's, um, for people that don't know you, yeah, tell us a bit about yourself. How far would you like me to go back? Oh, as, as far as you want. <laughs> <laughs> we got maybe two minutes for the intro. Okay, we got a two-minute pitch. Yep. Cool. So I started building websites when I was about 10 years old, yeah. as, I, as you said, um, really dorky. I, my parents couldn't afford to have horses. So I was like, I don't know, I'll play online horse games and I built online stables for them, which were like websites. That's um, amazing. Yeah. So, of course, a 12 year old would do that. That's, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Like I didn't have any other choice. And that's <laughs> how my obsession with the internet began. So okay. I've done a heap of stuff with UI, UX, front end dev and back end dev. Um, and then I started building e-commerce businesses, and now I have a consultancy that does that. Wow. Yep. So you teach people now how to scale and grow and, and build the businesses. Because I believe your big claim to fame is you built a business from zero customers to 10,000 in a matter of 18 months? Yeah, 12 to 18 months. 12 to 18 months. And then the key thing here was retention rate was 40%. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, that's, that's insane. Yeah. Because what's, what's the industry average? The industry average for e-commerce businesses is 22%, and typically most of them will sit underneath that. Um, Most of the customers that that come to us to work with customer retention Mm. online um, sit well below 10%. So there's like a ton of stuff that you can do, and there's a ton of people not focusing on retention Mm. because it's easier to pay and get customers with Facebook Mm. ads. Um, but I think the more and more Facebook ads matures and becomes expensive, that it's so important to invest into retention. Mm, definitely. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it's much more expensive to get a new customer than it is to keep and mature and, and develop an older customer, true? Totally. Yeah. Completely. Yeah, it's just uh, we see like a $10 million business with 1% retention, yeah. $100,000 a year, then you bump it up to $0.22, cents, $2.2 million. Like, the maths is insane. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So a lot of the people that have built businesses like that are very, very good at scaling but not so good at nurturing, mm. and that's where we come in yeah. and help them do that. So I guess if someone wants to keep a customer, what, what can you do? I mean, we hear about ad value. We hear about being authentic. We hear about creating long email campaigns that, that drip feed people that, uh, I guess... Yeah, what would be some of the tips to, to retain your, your customers? Yeah, I just posted up a video about this recently, actually. Um, and it's it's really about marrying strategy with branding. And so, like, the technical side of it, you can find a million blog posts mm. about email funnels, and they work 100%, but what it really works 
is understanding your customers so well that the way that you use those strategies mimics and reflects the way they talk and it's really something that they would want. So, for example, we would spend so much time understanding our customers that everything in the first company looked, Mm. breathed, sounded, felt like them. And as a result, we retained 40% of our customers and as well our subscription box. Most subscription boxes have about like a four-month um, lifetime People value, come I suppose. In and come off, yeah. That's right. Ours was ten months. Yeah. So it's really about being as much about them, and then obviously doing the strategy as well. Mm. Um, you know, there's a popular phrase out there: the best marketing strategy ever is care. Yeah. So I think it's instilling as much care as possible. Mm-hmm. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. So with uh, Traffiel, I'm gonna. Mm-hmm. The name. You're um, going to butcher it? <laughs> no, I'm not going to butcher it at all. Well, the it. name. Um, <laughs> you commented something during the week where you said one of the mistakes we made was the name was a little bit hard to say. And I must admit, I, I probably replayed it a hundred times in my head over here to say it right. Mm-hmm. But um, that was a key learning for you, wasn't it? Like, yeah. Yeah. That and many other things. Okay. Um, yeah, we named our company something that people couldn't say or spell mm. and phones auto-corrected it. Yeah. So... Yeah, I know we had Google AdWord campaigns running to deal with that, and it was just... So AdWords to the incorrect spelling? Yes. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah. I learned my lesson yeah. from that, but, you know... So you're effectively you doubling your ad spend. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So for people out there, and you've just named a company, um, mm. you've just... And this is the, the new exciting news, and one of the many reasons why I wanted to get you on this show, um, the skincare brand... How did you eventually then take that mistake of the first name and then come up with something now that makes sense? Mm. What what was the formula there? Yeah, I love that. Um, So obviously coming out of the first company, I had a huge list of things that I thought I did really well and that's what we've taken into the consultancy and put into other businesses, which is going fantastic. And then on the other side, we had people, we had mistakes rather, um, lessons that I've learned by totally screwing things up in the first businesses, like pricing and naming and strategy and and a lot of like mindset things Mm -hmm. for myself personally um, that I had to do work on. And so when I had the opportunity to take on a new skincare company, all these lessons are fresh in my head and still kind of a bit painful, cool. some of cool. them. Yeah. Painful? How do you, how do you mean painful? Uh, okay. Um, like spending a grand on an influencer and making yep. three sales and only getting $110 back. Right. And so that's like one example yeah. of things like that. So losing money making mistakes i think what's really cool out of that though is you took the punt like yeah you know a lot of people would look at a thousand dollars for an influencer oh jesus i'm not I'm now i'm not going to touch influencer marketing because it's too expensive you, you took the punt yes you learned from it but i think that's a really cool thing out of that oh thank you yeah it, it sucked it sucked <laughs> yeah it sucked yeah thankfully in that situation so it was right at the start of the first skincare company that we did trefiel yeah. And we had a little bit of money. We had we spent a thousand on that influencer and a thousand on another, or six hundred, I think. And she totally bombed. And we were like, "Oh crap, that's half of our money gone." And then we had this last one, and we had to chase her and chase her and chase her. She mm. would not post, and yeah. influencers are notorious for that. Yeah, actually, I'll touch on that in a second. Yeah, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> so. and then she posted, and I think we like six x our investment. Oh, cool! So it was like, so it was oh, worth okay, chasing. it's gonna work. 
It was worth chasing. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've got a mate. Um, you know, he would he would ship out some stuff to uh, certain influencers, and they just wouldn't post. Yeah. Um, so I guess how can you did it successfully? You chased her up, but was it a matter of literally just keep on on messaging on Instagram, or did you have a, have other forms of communication? Email. Um, and you can never be shirty with an influencer. How do you mean shirty? Um, cross. Ah, okay. That you've given them money and they haven't done their thing yep. because they're so entitled. They feel like they need to be treated with respect mm. and like a niceness, yeah, I guess, yeah. despite them doing the wrong thing by you. Yeah. So, yeah, you just have to be nice and pretend like it doesn't annoy you until you mm. get what you want. Because a lot of Instagram influencer stuff goes down in the DMs. So it would be like, mm. hey, cool, what do you charge for a post? Boom, this is that. But how can you, I guess, protect yourself? Is there even contracts you can send to influencers about this is what you need to do? Like, does it get to that level of things? Because the most influencer marketing I've done is just a shout-out. And it was like, yep, 20 bucks. You know, it wasn't high-level stuff. But when you're getting up to $1,000, $10,000 per post... How can people, I guess, protect themselves when, when talking to influencers that are a bit precious? Yeah, okay. So um, we would do everything through email. Yeah. Um, and then we would send, most of the time, money through PayPal mm-hmm. because PayPal protects the buyer. Yeah. Um, and then after that, we're moving on to bigger influencers' contracts. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But even they can't protect you. No. Not really. No, people get yeah, it's it's a matter of how much you want to chase it up. Yeah. Yeah, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the the zero to ten thousand, I, I love it. It's just really cool. Thank you. Um, what was the uh, key lessons you got out of that? But then also, how is that as a young person dealing with so much success? Like, how did you not get ahead of yourself? Essentially, you, um. you just, <laughs> I, I feel like you're you're you are a humble humble woman <laughs> and and a very lovely person to talk to. And, um, you know, you, you, yeah, you are. You're quite humble. You're not, you don't walk around with a, a stride about you that says, look at me, but you're quite approachable. So do, do you, are you self-aware on that, I, I guess? Um, I guess it's who you're talking to. I, yeah. My haters would say I'm pretty good to Haters going to hate. Yeah. Good old take. Um, I don't know. I, I guess there's like a bit of imposter syndrome there because mm. there have been such even more su- successful e-commerce businesses. Mm. And we didn't even get close to them. So I feel like I had a bit of a, like an upswing, but mm. not necessarily like a fully fledged koala mattress business. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Where it's almost a household name. Yeah. But yeah. And, and that's, that interests me a lot because, I mean, I myself deal with a bit of imposter syndrome um, in a lot of cases. But, and I think a lot of quote unquote successful or intelligent or, or ambitious people do. Mm-hmm. Um, because we are the type of people that will come out on social media and say, this is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And now we've got people watching us. So it can be hard to to deal with that. Um, do you have any tips on, on sort of keeping your mind down your path and not like, – how have you got out of that imposter? Um, be talking – because most of my clients haven't done what I've done. Yeah. Good. So for them it's an amazing thing – and also re- understanding that it's my first at bat and mm. it won't be the last. Yeah. And I feel like with the next company that's come, both companies actually, the consultancy and the new skincare company, mm. I have a chance to have another swing. Mm. Um, and I'm willing to put myself through whatever that takes to see how far it will go. That's so cool. Thank you. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, the consultancy teaching people is an amazing thing. Mm. You know, what I love is that light bulb moment, but 
it's only recently that I've realized education in sales, marketing, e-commerce is a skill that a lot of people need. And when it's something that comes quite naturally to yourself, um, being that that moment where someone actually goes, oh, wow, this is amazing, but it, for you it's so simple, mm. like that must be a rewarding thing on a daily basis for you, I'm assuming. Yeah, it's incredible. I was just talking to one of my clients today and she's just like so willing to step up and step into the work and do what it needs to take. And she's already, like her first round of Facebook ads were ROI positive and I just thought that never happens. No, it never happens. In e-commerce. So. <laughs> and it's cool to be able to say to her, like, this is abnormal. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a testament to her work. So getting to work with other people like me who love to work and want to build something successful is really yeah. exciting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely very cool. Um, tell me a bit about the skincare brand that you've moved into now because there's a lot of amazing social responsibility that you're doing here. Um, and I want a lot. Of, I want people to hear about it. So yeah, yeah. Give me if you want. Give me an elevator pitch, or, <laughs> or however you want to, want to describe it. Yeah. So we just named the company a couple of days ago. It's called Matter Skincare, which I'm really excited about. And the whole principle behind the company is that it all matters, from the ingredients that you have in your products to the way you package them to how you run the business and how you treat your customers to what you do with your profits. Yep. It is all encompassing. Wow. Mm-hmm. I, I knew about everything else except, um, damn it, what you, what you do, your, your profits, um, what do you, is that, is that donating to charity, is that donating to, to um, I know you're a very big vegan advocate as well, mm-hmm. as vegan related um, causes, is, is that sort of the line you, you're going? We're not 100% that? sure yet on the yeah. profit philosophy, but it is going to be baked into what we do, and I think probably that's... So I talked about the mistakes from the first company and, and how there was sort of a pain around that. I really feel like I didn't get a chance to really build what I wanted to build but just because the business wouldn't allow it. There weren't enough margins. The price wasn't high enough to warrant yeah. doing cool things. Yeah. And I've seen, as I took a year off the first company and tried to figure out like how I was going to, what I was going to do next and how I would do it differently, I just thought it would be so cool to have another company. I've seen companies change the world with physical products. Mm. Like, look at Who mm. Gives a Crap, look at Tom's, Tom's. Thank You. Yeah. Like, there's Zappos. all these. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's all these amazing businesses, and people talk about capitalism and commerce being evil. So, so wrong. But it can be channeled and yeah. used to create such good, and that's what I want to be doing. It's very cool. It's almost like the the school of thought of business is so much more than just making money. It's a purpose. It's a why. Let's go back to good old Simon Sinek. Yeah. You know, why are you doing what you're doing? Why should anyone care? Mm-hmm. And I think if you can create a vehicle around that and give back at the same time, that's that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And it also would give you a lot more purpose and meaning. You know, when you're on the phone with um, potential stockists and people looking to buy your products, like that passion will come across and uh, have you found that in the early stages of, of building it as well oh 100 yeah. percent. yeah and the trends that we're seeing in the consultancy i mean that's our whole philosophy about mm. be building successful e-commerce businesses because we can see what's happening in the market and a we want to build it for ourselves but we tell everyone that this is the way they need to be dealing mm. building their business product packaging processes profit yeah like those four pillars, that's what makes a successful mm. e-commerce business. And I'm so excited to be at the helm of creating my own business, but also helping other people do the same. Yeah, do the same. 
Let's actually talk about packaging for a little bit. Sure. Um, I had um I had an interesting experience. A mate of mine just went over to Hong Kong, got a beautifully tailored suit. Like mm-hmm. good stuff, like two grand for the suit. But the, the box that it rocked up in was exactly what you would get if you got a book from Amazon, like the cardboard. Mm. It was just he opened it, it then just was in cellophane wrap. But the experience that he had in the store was they sat him down, he had tea, they they looked at different swatches, they asked about what they're doing, measured him up all nicely. So that experience of purchase was great. Then on the back end, the packaging fell through. Mm. So do you see that, because that can have such a, like that can be the difference between somebody sharing it on Instagram in a positive way and then just going, oh, cool, this is just something I bought online and now I'm going to use it. So how, how critical is that packaging element to it's essential yeah and we have some really cool ideas about what we're going to do um i can't share them yet no fair (laughs) enough Um, you guys will have to follow lucy if you want to find out yes you will um but i think like it's also relevant to the people that you're selling to so if they're not paying that much money for what you're buying then sorry for what they're buying then it's like well we don't have the margins a and b they're not really expecting it they probably Mm. don't really care but in matters sense or case we're going for a slightly different market it's more luxury high-end um and it's going to need to be beautiful Mm. because your your friend was disappointed right yeah paid two grand for a suit and wrapped up in a cardboard box box. yeah not good enough not good no not good Mm -hmm. um what's your because you've got such a massive background in e-commerce and, and that's that's the future as well it's now it's already mm-hmm. here what's do you have an opinion on retail and how retail's space is going like your, your bigger chains your myers and your you know and how what they can even do to play mm-hmm. in this market do you have thoughts on that yeah so do you mean from the retailer's perspective yeah, from, or the business um from from the business um mm-hmm. Yeah, from a business business perspective. Okay, yeah. so I think that businesses, e-commerce businesses, would be crazy not to have a retail strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, we think that they should run in parallel to each other. It's yep. just a really good way to do it. In saying that, that there's not a lot of people doing retail well, mm-hmm. but there are some re- people doing retail really well. Like yep. you look at Glossier in the US, and it's just immaculate and so well done, so in trend with the times at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if Meyer and David Jones looked around and actually saw what was happening with retail and did mm. something about it, they might be safe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, things are definitely changing and I don't know if they'll last. In a big way. And it comes down to experience, uh, the experience that you have, the user experience when you walk into these shops. Mm-hmm. You know, what uh, What was the one you just mentioned, the US? Store? Oh, Glossier. Glossier. I'm sure when you walk into a Glossier store, you know what you get. You, you actually forced to buy because of the feeling that's created yes yeah. feeling and interior design is very important yeah, mm-hmm. yeah very much so these are massive experiences yeah. instagrammable instagram <laughs> very cool <laughs> cool um in your previous business you actually hired some people as well and you've been through that process mm-hmm. so because a lot of a lot of my audience are people either coming out of university or that kind of thing or they're looking for a new job what are you looking for when you're hiring a particular person or what are you interviewing based on um so another one of the big mistakes i made in the first company was hiring people that i felt i had to manage and i think it was partially not getting all rounders Mm. in a startup which i think is so important um and also me not willing to let 
go of control. Yeah. And so taking those lessons and going into the future, I'm looking for people who know more than I do. Cool. And also who people are, who can be a little bit broad, mm-hmm. at least in the start of the company, because yeah. then I can hand off more. I love what you just said, people that know more than me. Mm-hmm. Um, people that have skill sets I don't have. Because mm-hmm. some people can be scared to hire someone that's that's above them mm-hmm. in terms of what they know, because... You know, there might be an ego around it. There might be those things. But I think that's a really important point that you've just made. Mm-hmm. Um, some people need to let go of their ego when hiring. Um, it's hard to do. It also must be hard because there's this feeling of they can't do it as good as me too if you're hiring for a similar skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I was having a, another conversation with a business owner the other day where I said, you know, businesses... A business owner should almost scale themselves out of day-to-day stuff so they can do sales constantly because they're the best person to sell the product. Yeah. I don't know if you'd agree with that. Yeah, 100%. I've gone through that recently and that was one of the mindset obstacles that I had to overcome and I see a lot of early-stage female entrepreneurs having Mm. to go through too. Um, something that we see is that like females want to nurture what we have Mm. and don't really think about acquisition at scale and that was a big switch for me Um, and I see it a lot in women but as far as like finding people that are better than you so that you can step out of Mm. that stuff 100% like that is all I do now I told you before we started this interview that I'm literally on the phones from 9 to 5 and it's Awesome. I was like, why didn't I do this before? Yeah. This was crazy. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, because you are the first female on, on this show, it would be remiss of me not to ask a question based around this, mm-hmm. but the landscape of female entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. um, where is that at the moment? Because, yeah, I'm, I'm blind to it. I haven't, I haven't seen a lot. I You're mean, a white privileged man. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, look, I don't really have any issues. I yeah. find it quite easy to relate to men and work with them um and i also understand where they're really good like most men typically that come to us to work in the consultancy Mm. are amazing business growers like i could not teach them anything about growing their business but i bring a different skill set in as far as the retention goes um and that's something that they either don't care to do or don't Mm. want to do so yeah people talk a lot about um, so is that sort of, I mean, we were even joking about dating before, but that brings up an interesting point. <laughs> um, men don't care about retention, essentially. Like, they don't Less care about so. long-term relationships. It, from a broad I don't want to You don't want to generalise, yeah. But what I see in e-com, yeah. yes. Yeah, wow. But and you can't blame them, right? Like in the initial stages of an e-com business, it matters less that you retain your customers because yeah. you need to scale. But once you get past that point, it's like, okay, yes, you can absolutely keep rolling out new strategies to acquire more customers, mm. but what about all of mm. these customers? Yeah, that list, the, yeah. the values in the list. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have examples of really amazing women business owners apart from yourself? Like who, <laughs> who, are, who are you looking at? Who are you watching? Um, good question. Anita Ox from WordFetty has an amazing copywriting agency in Brisbane. She's fantastic. Stevie Dillon from Stevie Says Social is just a gun as well. I love high performers, go-getters. Um, as far as like, I would see them as my peers. As far as growing really awesome businesses, I think one of the person one of the people that I've learned the most from is Nicole Haverly from Braintree North. She is just like 
she is just like a whip. She is so sharp. Um, yeah, like I think there are lots of women out there doing Definitely. awesome stuff. Okay, I need to go and research more. Yeah. It's episode 16. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, come on. Shame someone, on you. <laughs> really, it is. It is. Like I, yeah, someone mentioned it to me. I was like, yeah, that's, that's a mistake. <laughs> that's a mistake. Because also when it comes to sales, so I started telemarketing when I was 18 and the best person on the phone was this girl uh, next to me I've forgotten her name but she was in real estate for a while she would just kill it mm. and and it, and and then there was the booking department and like half of them were female as well and I'm just like it, it actually gave my opinion of females are actually better at sales sometimes I, I, sometimes yeah yeah sometimes yeah. um my housemate is in sales as well and yeah. he's always like ah oh, my female sales um like colleague yeah she's just a gun she gun. will not stop yeah. and she closes like 75 percent more deals than i do i'm nice. like dude yeah it's embarrassing <laughs> very cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's fine yeah. different industry different industry they've yeah, got true. a high they've got a high turnover true they do they do <laughs> cool 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 that's yeah, almost a, a really cool spot to end it on okay um but I, I want to ask uh, the question, what's what's next for you? What do you... Yeah, yeah. cool. Um, so I'm scaling business to IC really aggressively. Yes, I've noticed. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm working my butt off in that respect and I just really want to see it have the most impact on the e-commerce industry. So that's a main priority for me. And then I'm crazy enough to think that I can do another 10,000 customers with a yep. new skincare company. Cool. So Matter Skincare, Business to IC, and I'll be singing my lungs out. Um, in my spare time. Very cool. <laughs> Very cool. And uh, for people who want to reach out to you, who have been inspired by the things you've said and mm-hmm. all of that, how do we how do we go about doing that? Or so, follow along your yeah, journey as well. For sure. Um, connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, Lucy Bloomfield, and then my tagline is director, comma, business to IC. Connect with me on there. More than happy to chat. And uh, on a more personal note, um, I'm on Instagram, so it's Lucy underscore Bloomfield. Yeah. Actually, that's how we reconnected. Yeah. The internet's really cool. Hell yeah, I yeah. love it. <laughs> it is. All right, I've been Tim, you've been Lucy, Yay! and uh, we've been talking. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> there you have it. How awesome was that? If you guys are doing an e-commerce business or looking to start an e-commerce business, reach out to Lucy at Business2IC and Lucy Bloomfield. She will really, really give you guys some right direction to go. Really recommend it. Apart from that, go over to our Instagram, been talking, give us a chat and um, I'll see you in the next episode.